0: I'm Alicia Miklasik-Gonzalez, host of the Real Talk podcast and an emergency doctor with Vituity, a physician-led and owned partnership comprised of doctors, advanced providers, and industry professionals working together to provide compassionate, quality acute care to patients across the nation. Vituity's number one goal is to be at the heart of better care. But in considering what's important to us and prioritizing the wellness of our clinicians and employees, Vituity has also made diversity a focus of their work. The following episode is brought to you by members of one of Vituity's enterprise resource groups, created to provide support for different demographic groups within our organization. Our hope is to amplify stories from the diverse community of healthcare workers we proudly work alongside, while acknowledging the unfair systems we continue to struggle with in our country, and then work together to change them. This is Real Talk Unplugged.
1: Hi, I'm Artie Munchala, Scribe Regional Lead with Vituity, and welcome to Real Talk, a place where healthcare professionals share stories about the human experiences that have shaped and affected their careers working in medicine. Today, we'll hear a story from Sarah Roth, an emergency medicine physician in Oregon, as she unpacks the all-too-familiar state of emotional, physical, and mental exhaustion that is burnout. A recent survey found that 52% of Americans are experiencing burnout in 2021. That's a 9% increase since pre-COVID. As we began working remotely and taking care of sicker patients, maintaining that work-life balance became increasingly difficult. It became harder to disconnect from the office or take any time for ourselves as more people became sick and the demand for healthcare workers skyrocketed. Yes. COVID has contributed significantly to the rise in burnout, but burnout was still an issue before the pandemic. And knowing that mental health has never been a priority for some and will continue to never be a priority until it's too late puts a knot in my stomach because I sometimes fear that will be me. We all know the importance of maintaining a healthy diet to prevent disease and the importance of applying sunscreen to reduce the risk of skin cancer. So, why should prioritizing mental health to prevent burnout be any different? This is Sarah's story.
2: Expectations are a crazy thing. The other night while on shift, I was discussing the results of a patient's workup. This 70 something female had been struggling with nondescript abdominal pain for weeks, and so far, no identifiable cause had been found. I spoke to her of how reassuring her labs were and how her CT scan hadn't found anything terrible. Since she had an appointment with her primary care provider the next day, we were going to let her go home and follow up as an outpatient. Her daughter was at bedside and snorted at me. You guys aren't good at anything, she said. When I turned to her, she followed up that comment with, I had much higher expectations of you. This is not a completely uncommon phenomenon in the life of a physician, right? We spend our time attempting to address the physical needs of our patients, but are often fighting a losing battle against the many and often unknown expectations of patients and their families. Patients are often frustrated that they aren't getting better or irritated that the reason for their chronic pain hasn't been identified, they bring with them all of their agitation and lay it at our feet hoping that somehow the emergency department will be a magical place full of answers and solutions. And often they bring with them any number of unacknowledged emotional needs as well, things that we are sorely equipped to handle. 22 years ago I started dating a delightful gentleman. Our first date was a Dave Brubeck concert, after which we talked until the wee hours of the morning. We spent the next weeks and months talking and wandering around Portland, Oregon, sampling coffee and eating at new restaurants and discussing any manner of topics. One day, we headed out to the coast for the day. As we walked along the beach, holding hands and enjoying the day, my then boyfriend said to me, I just wanted you to know that I'm happy our paths met, and I hope that they wander together for some time, but if they don't, I just want you to know that I'm not gonna change my path just to be with you. I'm going to be true to myself. I was a bit taken aback. Was I reading this experience all wrong? Was I really that poor at interpreting what was happening between us? This was definitely not the conversation I wanted to have at the beginning of a relationship that I thought was actually going fairly well. 22 years have come and gone and our paths have not parted. This year, my husband and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary and we had the chance to reflect on all the different things that had happened over the last two decades. I believe that the conversation that occurred so many years ago has come to define something unique about our lives together. I've come to realize that maybe this was a statement of true love, love for self, love for the journey, love for the present moment as the only one that can be fully embraced. As my husband and I continued to walk our paths, we opted to allow each other the space to follow our dreams. In watching other people's relationships, we realized that expecting the other person to stay the same or follow some predetermined idea of what they were supposed to do or be typically only led to resentment and disillusionment. This has led us on a fairly wild ride. We lived in Indonesia teaching English as a foreign language. We've done graduate school in Spain. We've been so poor that we've needed to raid the food bank where I worked in order to put food on our table. And we've been allowed the honor of adopting two of the most amazing children who came to us through the foster care system. At each bend in the road, an attempt was made to place expectations aside and resonate with that particular moment in time. I came to the practice of medicine later in life. After wandering back to the United States, my husband and I determined that roots were needed in order to reach for some of our other goals. After spending much of my adult life as a yoga teacher, mental health counselor, and wellness consultant, I was thrust into a vastly different world. The ideas of what was expected of me fell heavily across my shoulders. Not only were these external expectations enormous, but my own expectations took on a new level of severity. Everyone seemed to believe I needed to be a certain way. This was definitely not what I had experienced while teaching yoga. It's possible that many of these ideas of expectations weren't even true, but it was the way that it felt. And with these new and intense expectations, my own level of criticism rose. My inner dialogue took on an entirely different tone. After years of calming and accepting self-talk, I found I beat myself up over the smallest setback or the minorest of offenses. Over the last six months, I've taken a step back toward my yoga self. Although mindfulness was never far from my thoughts, it had definitely not been a priority during medical school and residency. As the stress of COVID turned on, I came to realize that all the expectations of this life were wearing me out. Each day I got up and wandered into work, geared to offer the best care I could for my patients. But day after day, I felt like I failed to meet expectations. And I don't think I'm the only one who feels this way. We show up, we do our best. We offer everything we have and still often fall short of the expectations placed on us. And what of the expectations we place on ourselves? Do we allow for imperfection? Do we set time aside to just be? For most of us, the answer is no. It is what has drawn us into this demanding and exciting field where we practice every day. And most of us really love this life. But ultimately, this sense of unmet expectations can contribute to resentment, compassion, fatigue, and eventually burnout. Expectations of what patient encounters should look like. Expectations of what our professional life should be. Expectations of what we should be accomplishing in our personal lives. Expectations of what it means to be all of the labels that we've placed on ourselves and it kind of makes me wonder what would it look like if we decided to lift the expectations we have on ourselves what if we lifted some of the expectations we have on our work life our friends and family our patients would it change our experience of daily life would it allow for mystery and anticipation and joy i believe it would Lately, I've been spending more time meditating before heading into my shifts. I have found that instead of feeling all of the irritations that come at me when I walk into the department, I'm able to rediscover all the things I love about being an ER doctor. Sitting down next to my patient's bed feels more like an honor than the thing I do to improve my press scores. Truly listening to my patient's my coworkers and my fellow providers brings me joy. It reminds me of why I chose to pursue this profession in the first place. Mindfully being in the present moment encourages me to be there for my patients, for my colleagues and family. But it also allows me to notice when I need to take a moment for me, when I need to step outside and breathe fresh air, even if it's just in the ambulance bay for 30 seconds. And I've opted to give myself permission to have some lower expectations. Maybe it's okay to say no every now and then. Maybe it's okay to go to bed at 7.30 on a non-work day just because I'm tired. Maybe it's okay to spend the afternoon at the beach instead of working on projects. It's okay to be frustrated, exhausted, and bewildered, but it's also okay to be calm and peaceful and joyful. If we give ourselves the chance to be truly present, what amazing experiences might we actually find? In the words of Tara Brock, psychologist, meditation teacher, and author, there is something wonderfully bold and liberating about saying yes to our entire imperfect and messy life.
1: I think we can all find truth in the statement Sarah's husband made to her. He said, If my path veers off in a different direction, I need to stay true to myself. The statement of self-love is an important one. One that shows you must first respect yourself before you can expect others to respect you. Prioritizing your well-being, your journey, and love for the present moment is the only way we can continue giving to others in a way that's not harmful to us. Isn't that the same reason we're instructed to put on our oxygen masks before helping to put on someone else's? The path to burnout is not an obvious one. I speak from personal experience when I say I realized what was happening to me a little too late. At a previous job, I found myself working long hours and doing everything I could to stay on top of tasks. I was doing a lot. But knowing I was making a positive change and inspiring my teammates to work hard when they felt passionately about something was enough to not think about those hours. Or at least I thought so. I admit there were moments when I resented taking on more responsibility and broke down in tears because my job felt overwhelming. I wasn't getting the support I needed and I was mad at myself for not setting boundaries. I set such high expectations that I thought if I said no or asked for help it would make me seem weak or like I wasn't capable. So I stayed quiet. I'm being honest when I say I felt horrible after work most days, like I wasn't cut out for working in healthcare. If helping others made me feel this bad, was I a monster? It took months of feeling like I was being crushed under the weight of my responsibilities before I reached my breaking point. I struggled with my decision to leave because I knew I had so much to offer and wanted to continue doing what I loved, but at what cost? Knowing what I know now, I still don't think I would have realized the path I was on. I believe some of us are lucky in that we can recognize our own signs of burnout and can ask for help, but I also think that some of us need another voice to intervene and ask if we're okay. But it's okay. For some, that realization or help comes much later. And that help, for me, came in the form of joining the regional scribe team, months after I left my last job. I always say that everything happens for a reason, and it does, because I still consider joining this team to have been one of the best things that happened to me. In combination with taking my own steps towards improving my mental health, working with supportive teammates, and an even supportive manager that prioritizes individual and team wellness, has been just the kickstart I needed to reignite my passion for helping others. So, whether you're an executive, clinician, teacher, or stay-at-home mom, remember, burnout is not selective in who it affects. The truth of the matter is, when you don't find joy in your work and feel like you're no longer in control, is when you can start feeling like everything is falling apart. So, take time today to assess your current state and consider incorporating some mindful practices to battle against burnout. Share your feelings with trusted family and friends, speak with your manager to establish good work-life boundaries, take regular breaks, and maintain healthy habits like exercising, eating healthy, and getting a good night's rest. Acknowledging your feelings is the first step towards fighting back. So take action today toward restoring your mental, physical, and emotional strength not only for yourself, but for your patients and the ones you love. Thank you to Sarah Roth for sharing her story with us, to the team at Vituity for their support of this podcast, to Marco Gonzalez, our sound engineer, and to all of you for listening. I'm Arthi, and this is Real Talk.
0: want to connect with the Real Talk podcast or record your story with us? Start at realtalk.transistor.fm or you can follow the link in the show notes for this episode.